Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. Rose Bowl preview is finally here. Got a lot to talk about today. Uh, two Penn Staters have decided to declare for the NFL, but we'll play in the Rose Bowl. Penn State gets a new transfer commit. And of course, we've got to talk Rose Bowl. So uh, prediction, preview, predictions, bold predictions all coming at you, as well as some fan questions. Last show of the 2022 calendar year. Thank you guys so much for being here. Let's get right into it. Penn State football. I'm Corey Lestoki. With me, the great Sean Kane. Sean, how you feeling? Well, I had so you could basically call me Michael Jordan because this is my flu game. Because I have today tested positive for COVID. You got the Rona, and not and not not the not the good Rona. No, no, we're not like, I'm not sipping on Coronas. I have the coronavirus. So what are you going to do? I think I got it exchanging gifts with my parents. So I got it from my parents. Always blame the parents. Yeah, it's all their fault. Were you able to enjoy a good Christmas? (laughs) I was, yeah. I actually got a Christmas day. And, um, you know, at, at least that's what I think. And then... This morning, I woke up and my nose was running, but my nose is running most mornings due to allergies. But then it just continued to run, and I was like, I think I have it. So I tested, and sure enough, it came up pretty bright pink. So, you know, I'm going to have to lay low for, what do they say now, like a week to 10 days or something. Just means more podcasting time. Yeah, honestly. I have... All the time in the world to just record a podcast. I've just been watching bowl games all day, so that's been fun. Yeah. Um means you'll be more active on Twitter, I'm sure, as well. Look out for me. Yeah. Um, Jacob Sparrow. 
Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. We back. Yes, we are back. Hope, Jacob, you had a good Christmas. Um, if you're listening on YouTube, watching live on YouTube, please say hi. Say how you're doing. Um, Sean, I don't know if you're able to eat Christmas cookies, but I am currently eating some Snickerdoodles. I think Snickerdoodle is a very underrated Christmas cookie. Big, easy to make. It's not my favorite, but I think it's a it's a uh, an unsung hero of the Christmas cookie department. And uh, Simply delicious, I think, is the easiest way to put them. I love Snickerdoodles. I like Snickerdoodles as well. Um, my favorite, though, is just the classic chocolate chip, but it has to be made by my mother. So, although, I mean, there, there are plenty of delicious chocolate chip cookies, but my mom's are just <sighs> chef's kiss for those listening. Um, Mid chew. Mid chew. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> peanut. I we, I made peanut butter chocolate chips the other day because Maddie's Maddie. Besides, maybe my granddad. Maddie is probably, and maybe she's even bigger than him. The biggest peanut butter fan out there. Loves peanut butter to death. So everything can everything can get peanut butter. Hot chocolate gets peanut butter. Chocolate chip cookies get peanut butter. Everything gets peanut butter. So. Peanut butter chocolate chip cookies I made, and those were those are really good as well. So, um, very much enjoy those. Jacob Sparrow says Snickerdoodles are busting as well. Um, hopefully, you guys all had a good Christmas. It's weird. It's, it's going to be really weird, Sean. So, just some, I guess, logistical things. Once the season's over, we're going to be probably heading to uh, one episode a week. And that might not be all the time. If we have an itching to do an extra episode, maybe we'll throw it in there. But uh, we're going to be moving to once a week sometime starting in January, I'm guessing. And we were gone for, I guess, we've only had two episodes now in the last, I guess, the last week. Because we didn't record, obviously, on on this past week. And we're not going to record. Well, I I don't know, Sean. I was going to ask you, do you want to record? I don't know what your plans are on Monday. But do you want to try to record on Monday night post game, Or you just want to wait till Wednesday? I could do whenever. Um, I'm going to be here, so I'm going to be here for a while. So I could do I could do whenever. And okay. um, we'll we'll put that on the back burner, but we'll think about that. So we might be live on Monday night post game uh, to talk about it. But um, but otherwise, just so we're going to go. I think Sean, we're, we're, I think we're going towards Wednesday, right? Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah. I think um, we're going to do Wednesdays. So Wednesday at. Wednesday at 8 o'clock Eastern. So we're going to move it up an hour. Hopefully some of you guys will be able to then tune in for a little bit longer. We, we see sometimes the viewers on YouTube drop off towards the end. Um, so we're going to move it up to 8 Eastern Wednesdays during the offseason in quotations. Prime time. Prime time, baby. Prime time. And so just that's kind of like what the plan is moving forward as we I'm sure we've gotten a lot of new listeners since before the season started. So that's the game plan. Still going to be live, still going to be on all the podcasts, all that good stuff. Uh, but that will be the plan moving forward. We appreciate you guys. Um, Penn State shelf news. Juice Scruggs. I don't, I think this was, I think this was definitely after, because I think that news was maybe right before Christmas. I'm not sure. But Juice Scruggs, center, heading out to the NFL, declaring for the NFL, will play in the Rose Bowl. He put a thing out on Instagram and, and Twitter a couple of days ago. Um, not surprising 
because we knew that he accepted the the East the Shriners game invite. But at the same time, I don't know how the right way to say it is. Like I expected him to go right, but there was a part of me that was like, if he stays, this offensive line is going to be really freaking good, and the offensive line still can be good. But it, it, my optimism took a, a tiny, tiny hit when Juice Scruggs declared for the NFL draft. I think he's going to be great in the NFL, too. He's he, he's persevered through a lot, um, especially with that car accident early on. Well, well deserves the opportunity to go play football in the NFL. Yeah, I'm a huge Juice Scruggs fan. Um, I have been ever since he decided to keep playing after that car accident. I think it speaks a lot to his courage. Because that's not an easy thing to do with having a. It's said that I've 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 seen that it was a back injury, and those are not easy to come back from. And you're gonna be it's gonna be in the back of your head at least initially when you're getting back into playing a violent sport like football. So his perseverance, his courage, his toughness, I mean that just jumps off at you. And he's a hell of a player. Um. And I love having a good, a good, you know, nasty center that just gets after defensive tackles, blows them off the ball. That's what Juice did all year for us. And I think he was a key person, especially in the last month of the year when we didn't have Olu. So he really held it down and we're going to miss him. But nonetheless, I totally understand why he's going to the draft. If I were him, I'd be going to just because life's short and you want to be able to um make the most of your football career yeah no doubt no doubt um yeah he i mean the way he he was really the rock to the entire entire offensive line this year everyone else getting hurt he he kind of stood stood tall when, when everyone else needed him to so that was <clears throat> that was really cool to see and it's also cool to see him playing in the rose bowl can still probably improve his stock against a good utah defense and uh, gives him a chance to 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 play one more game with his boys, and I think that's important to some of these guys. Uh, speaking of that, Brenton Strange declaring for the NFL draft. Tight end Brenton Strange will play in the Rose Bowl, and to me, Sean, this wasn't very surprising either. I, we'd said all year round that Brenton Strange had made himself a lot of money this year. Not just with being the safety blanket, but also with his blocking capabilities. I think he's a well-rounded tight end. He's shown that there's a lot of talent coming back next year in the tight end room already. Not overly surprised by this one. And I think I think Brandon Strange, if he has a good combine, he could sneak up some boards pretty quickly. I mean, he's this this doesn't mean to be a knock, but he's kind of what people thought maybe like a Kyle Carter was gonna be. Um what he what he kind of turned into um he's like kyle carter but can block is is the kind of a good way to put it unfortunately but i i honestly think with a good com combine he could be third second round guy honestly if he if he shows up people get pretty giddy about tight ends um that can also block uh hell maybe the dolphins take him dolphins might take him i could see him fitting well in the dolphins offense um that san francisco style um yeah yeah, he – I'd have to go and look, but he's one of the most improved players on the team this year because it was far from a slam dunk that he was going to declare for the draft this year. And um, he really 
put it together in the blocking department uh, that jumps off the screen, but also running after the catch and just that Purdue play, I think is going to be etched in a lot of people's minds where it's the end of the half. And it was iffy. I remember watching the game with my grandpa. My grandpa was like, they should try to score here. And I was a lot, I was thinking along the lines of, ah, let's just go on the halftime. We have the lead. Gramps was right. (laughs) He's watched a lot more football than I have. And, but that worked because of Brent strange. And he broke, he dragged those tacklers all the way to the end zone. So, um, that really stood out to me. He, he's been, and he's been the most consistent. He's probably been the most consistent receiver if you consider the tight ends receivers that we had this year. So very impressed by the way he developed. And I think he's going to be a good player. I I'm with you though. I want to see how he tested the combine because I think that's going to tell the story of where he gets drafted. But I think regardless, he's going to be a productive player in the NFL. Just imagine how the season, I mean, they're probably not in the Rose Bowl if it wasn't for Brenton Strange for numerous, nope. numerous points in the season. I mean, he, he, he really, uh, really did a bunch. So I agree there. Yeah. Um, and you know something, we, we bring up the Sean Clifford against Purdue a lot. Well, if we don't have Brent Strange against Purdue, we don't beat Purdue either. So it's yeah. important to note that. Yeah. Tyler John or Tyler Johnson, Ty, uh, Tyler Warren did play, but, um, Theo Johnson did not play in that Purdue game. Um, so we'll see Juice Scruggs and Brendan Strange one more time. I just wanted to say also, we do plan on doing like an award show. Uh, maybe not the first episode back. We'll probably talk specifically Penn State, Utah aftermath. But probably the episode after that, we'll probably do like a season end of, you know, wrap up show, if you will, where we'll we'll give out some awards and whatnot. Uh, so we're looking for some, uh, maybe looking for some names of some awards. Maybe we get some creativity with that. That'd be fun. So if you have some suggestions, I'm all ears there. Jacob Sparrow on YouTube says, I consider tight end position a de facto receiver and would agree with he is the most consistent. Yeah, I agree. Show schedule, new transfer. Going to be talking about that in just a second, but Penn State's getting a little bit better at the defensive back position and clearly in the name department. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Uh, hashtag PSU in the NFL, Utah preview, and we'll finish off with some fan questions. Not going to really talk recruiting today. Uh, well, briefly. We'll mention it briefly. I got a couple things on it, but but not too much recruiting today. Uh, that 2023 class pretty much cemented a couple of names to maybe know that we talked about before. Um, but now the transfer portal is picking up a little bit. And I think it's going to pick up a lot in the next week as these games end as well. And so we'll, we'll keep an eye out there. Let's talk. Let's talk duck. Let's talk duck. When I first found out about this, Sean, today, I'm, I'm still not sure if I'm over it yet, to be honest with you. Like, I, I just... the. It's not just where it came out of like left field to a certain degree, but it was also like, could it be more perfect? Uh, and, and that is defensive back from North Carolina, Storm Duck, S T O R M D U C K. Storm Duck will be transferring to Penn State. He's a cornerback at heart, he was a second team all ACC this year. 
if you want to watch how um how should I say this? The North Carolina defense wasn't very good last year. Uh, if you want to see that for yourself, go watch the Oregon game that's on right now. Although they're doing pretty good right now, but but still, um, they'll probably get exposed at some point. Duck has battled some injuries throughout his career, and so that's something to pay attention to. He's he's been around for a while. His one year of eligibility left, but he's been injured uh, quite a few times uh, so far in his tenure. Played a lot last year, though. I think he had four interceptions, 10 pass breakups. Um, originally a three-star guy. Good height, Sean. Six foot, one inch. Got a decent amount of size to him. He can come in and and really help out, right? I mean, if you're trying to figure out what are the, you know, which one of the true freshmen might have played or been in that, I guess, too deep at the cornerback starting positions, you don't have to worry about that anymore. The storm duck is going to be there, and I think this is this is a good this is a good investment. I, I mean, I, I think if you're going to go get somebody, you go get somebody like this guy. He's got experience. He's got playing time against respectably good offenses uh, in the Power Five level. You're not taking like a project risk here. Storm Duck's got the size to play in the Power Five level. I like this. It came out of left field, in my opinion, but I really like this. This is this seems good. Yeah, we talked pretty extensively about the need to get another cornerback uh, to go along with uh, Johnny Dixon and Kalen King, and I think Storm, I think Storm Duck fits the bill, and it's going to be fun to say his name. Uh, well, as long as he's playing well, then it could get old. If he's not playing well, maybe it could get old fast. Uh, but honestly, like it, I, I, I love the addition. I really do. Uh, three interceptions. He had a forced fumble last year, 10 pass breakups. I mean, that just kind of screams Manny Diaz cornerback. Just a stat lot looking at a stat line like that. Guy that could turn the ball, that, that could t- turn the other team over, you know, gets active, uh, breaking up passes. So, really happy with this addition. Obviously, we all know what we need at receiver, but we also we wanted to. We wanted a defensive back as well in, the, in this transfer portal. So good on the staff for going and uh, hunting some duck. That what was that? Sh- what was that show? Uh, back in the day, those guys all had the long beards. Uh, Stooges? No, Duck Dynasty. Oh, Duck Dynasty. Remember those guys? Dude, there's probably going to be some Nittanyville banners of that for sure yeah. <laughs> duck dynasty yeah i forgot about that show um what i was going to add to that his cousin clifton duck played for app state and played against penn state so if that last name sounds familiar to you that is why he, he was clifton duck was actually a really good corner for app state um so so i guess there you go but his his cousin Storm Duck will be joining Penn State. Threw up there on YouTube, port, Penn State portal needs. There's your favorite color green up there for cornerback that we have now colored in. Wide receiver, like you mentioned, still very much part of the conversation. Dante Cephas still trying to hurdle some academic situations, trying to get cleared to transfer. But it seems like Penn State's still in the right department there. Don't really know 
who, if they do take a second wide receiver, who that would be right now, as Caden Prather is still probably leaning Maryland. Dante Thornton is potentially leaning uh, Miami. So not really clear cut on who that may be. Second wide receivers. I guess I also wanted to mention the. I'm curious if they go after the defensive back from Wake Forest now. Was it Gavin? Why can't I, I never remember forget this guy's name? I would say we probably don't. That would be my guess, too. I would say um, that door probably closed. I, I don't know why I can't remember his name. Is it Holmes? Uh, is it Gavin Holmes? That sounds close. Maybe. I'm looking yep, it up right I am correct. Gavin Holmes. Yes, sir. Yep. Oh, I think. Oh, well, maybe that's why. He officially committed to Texas. Oh, so he's not coming. No. There we go. We're finding things out live. Dave. Excited for the matchup with Penn State in just a few days. Uh, I believe Dave is a Utah fan, based off that comment. Thanks for joining us, Dave. Hope you're doing well. Um, but, yeah, so it looks like Gavin Holmes with the Texas. Look at us figuring things out, as we probably should have figured out beforehand. Um, but that makes sense then. So maybe, who knows if, if they're waiting for Holmes to say yay or nay. We knew he was visiting Texas, but a lot of people thought since there was a visit scheduled for Penn State that he was going to visit, but I guess not. So, um I think they're probably good at corner. Still want them to take at least one wide receiver. Heard nothing. Heard nothing as far as defensive line right now, which I think is kind of interesting. I still like the one guy from Temple that I wouldn't be able to tell you his name. Again, uh, Varn. Nope. I don't remember what his name was. Was it Varner? I think it was something Varner. Defensive lineman for, for, for Temple. Did some good things. But, um. But yeah, otherwise we just kind of just keep on trucking along here. I think it's going to get heat up more. We said once the 2023 class is kind of solidified, we we're going to see, uh, you know, see some things moving around a little bit. I still think, Sean, post Rose Bowl, you're going to see some Penn State guys enter the portal. I've said that a couple times now. Uh, Darian Varner was the guy from from Temple. I'll double check to see if he's still out there. Um, did I say Darian? Darian Varner. My goodness. Um, no, I don't think he has. Uh, I don't think he's. He has also has his phone number in his Twitter profile. Which, oh, that's the phone number guy. No, that's a different guy. There's two oh. guys. Yeah. There's two, <laughs> two two guys with the phone number things. So that's that's bold as well, if you ask me. Um, but that's where they're at. Um, Sean, I wanted to briefly, since we're not going to talk about it for most of the show, since we're going to focus a lot on the Rose Bowl. Uh, I wanted to mention the 2023 class and just briefly mention that, as you can see on the graphic, Conrad Hussey's in red. Conrad Hussey did flip from Penn State to Florida State, staying relatively, relatively at home. Not as home as he would be if he would have went to Miami, um, but but staying in the same state in Florida will be a, will be a Florida State Seminole. It stinks. But <clears throat> the positive side of this is it was at a position where they, they are getting a lot of guys. Uh, they are getting a bunch of defensive backs. Sean, if I had to say, you, if, you, if you lost Conrad Hussey, but you lost, um, but you gained KV on keys, would you take that trade? 
I would just really because of the position uh, KB on keys. I mean, look, you want more, you want as many pass rushers as you could have. And I think he, I think KB on keys kind of provides that he's going to be a linebacker, but he's going to uh, get after the quarterback. I heard a comp and I forget who made it the other day of KB on keys uh, to Manny Bowen. And watching him, I could see that. And, um, you know, I would take that over Conrad Hussey, especially right now, because I feel like we're good at safety for now. Uh, we might have to take a couple next year, but and it sucks. I mean, I'm not going to be sour grapes about it. I wanted Conrad Hussey. I wanted him to be in the class. But, I mean, you win some, you lose some. So that is nature of Cruton, especially Florida Cruton. Yeah, and Dave on YouTube says, thanks, I've subscribed. Hope you guys beat down UCLA and the condoms for years to come in the Big Ten. So that's pretty funny. Uh, we appreciate that. Um, just just breaking news here on, on the pod live. Kansas was down a bunch, and they have now tied it and are going into overtime with Arkansas, a.k.a. Oh, Arkansas. I turned um, that off. Wow. Yeah, it was it was bad early. And our boy and our boy Barrett Sale from uh, CBS was talking about how Arkansas is showing why the SEC is so good, and now they are in overtime, which makes me laugh out loud because I think that's so funny. So, don't turn us off, but put the Kansas Arkansas game on as well if you can. Uh, I didn't realize I put myself over there, but that's okay. Um, Sean, I just want to throw up the early enrollees one more time. If we can, the uh, the 11 early enrollees in a 2023 class will literally be here in like a week ish. So. Tight end Mega Barnwell, offensive lineman Alex Berkmeyer, linebacker Tony Rojas, defensive back. Elliot Washington, offensive lineman Anthony Dunka, Dunka. I don't know why I struggle with his name. And then, of course, the struggler of all strugglers, tight end Joey Schlaffer. Cornerback Lamont Payne, quarterback Jackson Smolik, offensive lineman Javen Williams, cornerback Zion Tracy, and linebacker Tamir Robinson. So those 11 guys will all be enrolling early uh, this this spring semester. I think that's all we have as far as all that shenanigans. Sounds good. Corey? Uh, yes. Oh, yes, you have to do PSU in the NFL. Yeah, sorry. Yep, no problem. Scared me for a second. Yep. Um, This is a long list. I, like, went a little overboard here. Uh, this is probably the longest list we've ever had. And I, like, and I, I didn't even include everything. I could have included more. There is, I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen Penn State players that made impacts. Enough of an impact to include on here, but I mean, there's guys on here that played, and and I didn't even include Daquan Jones isn't on here, um, Jordan Stout isn't on here, uh, and there's a couple more. As well as, I mean, there's 44 players right now on in, on Penn State, excuse me, on NFL rosters from Penn State. Um, I'm going to run through all these real quick. Please save your applause to the end. <clears throat> Tip of the tongue and the teeth of the lips. Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. 
Trace McSorley, 24-45, 2-17, one interception in his loss in his starting role. Don't know if if he if he's still playing. I don't know if Colt McCoy's back or not. Not sure. Yeah, Trace was all right. I mean, but it was just like when it was time to win the game, just yeah. Eh. I don't talk about it. Yeah. Uh, Connor McGovern, 13th start for the Cowboys. Miles Sanders, 21 rushes, 65 yards. Lost in my fantasy game. I lost both my fantasy semis this weekend. So I scored over 100 points. So I really can't. I'm not too upset about it. Um, but yeah, anyway, Etor Gross Matos, five tackles, one quarterback hit, one fumble recovery. Robbie Gold, 13 points, three for three on field goals. Chris Godwin, eight catches for 63 yards. He could have scored a touchdown or two to help out the fantasy league as well. Um, Blake Gillikin had six punts, 42 yards, average two inside the 20. Pat Fryer meets seven catches for 66 yards. Jahan Dotson, six catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown. If he scores one more touchdown, I think he will tie the Redskins' single-season record for wide receiver for touchdowns, which is pretty crazy considering he was – I'm sorry. Commanders. (laughs) Still not used to that. The football team. The Washington football team commanders of skins. Um, Which is just (laughs) nuts, though, that he's, he's doing that, and he missed so many games due to that hamstring injury. Saquon Barkley, 14 carries, 84 yards and a touchdown. Had a really nice run for a touchdown. If you haven't seen that, it's definitely on our Twitter. Uh, Maybe I'll get that out on Instagram and and TikTok as well. Um, Ryan Bates, 14th start of the season for Ryan Bates. Jaquan Brisker, seven tackles and a sack. He looked really – I mean, he's he's fun to watch. There's no other way to say it. Um, Adrian Amos, 11 tackles for another Penn State safety. And Will Fries got his sixth start of the year. For the Colts. Fries and McGovern are two guys that I just cannot believe are starting in the NFL, Sean, still to this day. McGovern's a little less surprising because McGovern always had the measurables, always. Like, you always thought, like, he could be a a solid player at the next level. But, I mean, the Cowboys' offensive line is not an easy line to start on, so... You have to give him a lot of credit. Will Fries, though, really surprised me. I never thought of that guy as a guy that's going to start in the NFL. Uh, but, hey, credit to him. Uh, yeah, Dotson, when he's healthy, I mean, he's as good as any rookie in this class, as good as any rookie receiver in this class. And that's saying a lot because Garrett Wilson is off to a, is off to a great start. Christian Watson, but... Dotson's right up there. He just had that hamstring that lingered the whole year, but he seems to be over that now, and he's really uh, turning up a notch. Amos played against my Dolphins on, uh, on Christmas. It it was terrible. Uh, the game was terrible. Amos, he had 11 tackles, but he really wasn't that great, if I'm being honest. Uh, he got burnt a couple times by Waddle and Hill, but lots of guys get burnt by Waddle and Hill, so, I mean, it happens. Uh, yeah. So, and, and Miles had the couple fumbles. I, I got attacked on Twitter, um, for saying, I know shocker for saying there was Penn state on Penn state crime. Uh, I thought, I thought I saw Micah forced to fumble on Miles Sanders. It wasn't that. And I was, and I had a lot of angry Eagle fans coming at me going, Oh, Mike, I had nothing to do with that. And I was like, all right, Jesus Christ, people. <laughs> How, how dare you make a mistake? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like Twitter. 
Um, but yeah, follow us yeah, exactly. on Twitter at Hardcore yeah, still follow us. Um, yeah, let's get it right out of that. Um, five star review plug in the middle, like we always do here. Uh, if you're on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed. If you're listening on Apple, please drop a five star review. We'll send you a sticker and we'll read it on the show, and we'd appreciate that. Um, let's get into the preview, shall we? There's a game. Yeah, there is a game. Monday. Utes. Penn State, Utah, Rose Bowl. Got some fancy stats up there for you like we do for all of these. Things that I deem important to the game of football. You could disagree and say there's other stats that are more important, but I don't really think there are any stats more important than the ones that we put up here. So rushing average and rushing defense. I mean, Utah is good. 5.54 yards per carry. They're one of the best running teams in the country. And then they do it by committee. I think the biggest part of the running game, honestly, is what Cam Rising can do um, on like a third and four or a third and six and kind of break the defenses back when he decides to take off. That can sometimes be the difference. And so that's something to, to keep an eye on. You know, a third and four, and he picks up 15. That that also helps the average out a little bit, too. And I will say playing USC's defense twice probably helped their average a little bit as well. Um, I'm just kidding, but it's just funny to say. Um, was a little surprised that their passing per attempt was at 8.1. But, I mean, they, they hit on some big plays. They, uh, I guess I should say this. They throw it underneath a underneath a lot, but then they they demand a defense that is already tired from getting ran against. They demand that that defense then tackles in space after they've been run against, and so that's a good strategy. Uh, they won't have Dalton Kincaid, who we've mentioned multiple times, the tight end leading receiver for them. But they do have other guys. For the bloggy, had a good. Good breakdown of Utah's wide receivers. I highly recommend you check that out. Um, but anyway, passing per attempt, that's where that's at. We know Penn State's defense is going to be really good against the pass. Be interesting. And it's just going to be fun to watch Utah's offense versus Penn State's defense. So I'm very excited for that. Probably the two most, the most impressive stat by either team is Utah's third down conversion, 49.7%. I mean, you're converting third downs half the time. That's why they're the Pac-12 champions. I mean, right there. Like, that is, uh, as Sean gives us a nice little sneeze off off mic there. Uh, bless you, Sean. Uh, 49.7%. You are completing half of your third downs. That's If, if they go 49.7% against Penn State, they're probably going to win the game. And so, to me, that's that's really the stat that, Penn State's got to figure out. Can they get off the field? Can they get Cam Rising uncomfortable? And then can they not let Cam Rising uh, get out of the pocket and, and do some voodoo magic and pick up first downs? To me, that's the biggest thing, Sean, when looking at this side of the field. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's third, getting off the field on third down is such a valuable thing. And when you play against a team that converts basically half of them, yeah, that's a challenge. And I think. You could look at some things and feel okay if you're Penn State uh, from a st- from just a stats depart- uh, perspective, but that would should really, really scare you. Now, Penn State's defense has been pretty decent that third down this year, I would say. I think they've been pretty good. 
Um, but yeah, Utah's going to get Utah's going to present a challenge in that way. Uh, but um, you know, they're uh, you know when I look at Utah when I watch them, they don't strike me as your typical Pac-12 team, and they never do. Like they strike me as like a like a Big Ten team. So that's why I think it's going to be an interesting matchup between us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I was going to add to to the whole getting off the field on third down. Penn State has had times or moments where they've struggled to do that. Not a bunch, but there's been moments. For example, the Auburn game early, they were struggling to get off the, off on third down a little bit. Uh, that one series against Indiana at the beginning of the – I think it might have been their second series of the game – uh, they struggled to get off the field. Uh, obviously, obviously times against Ohio State, obviously times against Michigan. Uh, most of the times against Michigan, they were third and short, which I think would be Utah's blueprint to beat Penn State is a keep it a third and short. So there have been moments like that. And so Penn State's got to find ways. I'm not too worried about Manny Diaz finding ways to get creative and to, to, to distract and to confuse Cam Rising, but also let his dogs eat. Penn State will be going into this. They have the better players. I mean, across the board, they have the better players. Maybe not clearly the better players in the trenches. Uh, you could maybe argue as far as rushing offense, rushing defense, just straight up size. But everywhere else, they have better players. And so the the key really, I think, is many Diaz, get yourself in a situation where your better players can can prove that they're better. And that is rushing the passer. That is guarding the deep ball, and that is making Cam Rising uncomfortable. And I think that that plays really, really much into that whole third down conversion percentage, right? I mean, Utah is not going to convert half of their third downs if their third down average attempt is like a third and eight, third and seven. But if their third and third down uh, average is like three or four, yeah, I can see them converting 50%, and, and that's obviously not going to be acceptable. That's not going to get the job done or or really give Penn State much of a chance to win this game. Yeah, if you're Utah, and it's probably the most obvious thing in the world, you look at what Michigan did, and you try to replicate that, and you hope Penn State hasn't learned from that. Um, and you have a competitive, gutsy quarterback like Cam Rising, who's been in big games before, and he can make some he can make some things happen. Uh, like like Corey said, from a running perspective, uh, they have a running back by committee. One of them uh, isn't going to be playing in this game, but they're still going to have a healthy amount of of um, they're still going to have a pretty uh, pretty decent stable of running backs. They're going to use probably two two of them uh, primarily and rising. So if you could get into third and short, if you can get in this like. If you could get the second and four, second and three, you could use your whole playbook. And that's such a benefit. And that's that's Jim Harbaugh's MO. And that's really been Kyle Whittingham's MO for his time out at Utah. You remember when they played when Michigan played Utah back when we we would have been in school? I think it was the first game of the year and Utah really, really uh uh took it to them. Remember that? I don't. I don't even remember that, to be honest with you. I think it was 2015. I think it was Harbaugh's first ever game at Michigan. I don't even remember. I believe you. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that really impressed me. I think that was the night that Joel Platt said Harbaugh's the best coach in America. And I was like, wow. <laughs> Our uh, Utah, Utah fan Dave says that Ken Rising was injured after the first USC game and hasn't been the same since. So we'll have to keep that in mind moving forward, too, and how much that plays a role into it um, as well. Let's flip it over to the Penn State offense and Utah defense side. Uh, this isn't all we're going to talk about, the, the Utah offense or anything, so don't feel like we're already done or anything. Uh, but just from the statistical standpoint, Penn State's not a bad rushing team this year, 4.77. I just want to reiterate, they knew how awful they, – they heard about how awful they were running the ball all offseason – and they came out and, and they proved some people wrong. And a lot of people said, oh, I'll wait until I see it. Well, you've seen it now. I don't remember exactly what it was last year. I think it was 3.3 yards per carry. It was something awful like that. And they're up to 4.77 yards per carry. So massive, massive improvement there. Uh, passing per temp has been right around 7.5 pretty much the entire season. So that is what it is. Third down percentage has been bad. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Penn State's third down percentage hasn't been great at times when they put themselves in good positions. And it's actually then gone up from when it was after, like, the Ohio State game because they've, they've been able to get in better situations with some of these opponents towards uh, in November. But still, 36.5% is not that great. You kind of want to see that number in the 40s. But, uh, I mean, how important is it for the Penn State to get the running game going to, again, Keep those third down attempts manageable as well. I mean, Sean Clifford, Cam Rising are very similar in a lot of ways as far as how they operate. And if you give them easy third down situations, they can tear you apart quickly and effectively. But it's keeping Sean Clifford out of third and long multiple times. It's getting Katron Allen and Nick Singleton going. Um, and then finishing the job in the red zone, which Penn State's done a great job scoring touchdowns in the red zone all year. Uh, I also wanted to highlight maybe the second glaring statistic about Utah. We talked about how good their red, excuse me, their third down conversion is. It's phenomenal. However, their red zone touchdown defense is pretty mid, if not just straight below average. Uh, they're allowing touchdowns 67.5% of the time, which just to give you an idea, like, I mean, Penn State, one of the best teams in the country at it. Um, only allows touchdowns 40, 43-ish percent of the time. So, um, yep. they're, uh, I mean, that's big. I mean, that's, that, that potentially could be, if you think this game could be a three-point swing either way, if Penn State holds Utah to a field goal and, and Utah is unable to hold Penn State to a field goal, that's, that's three or four points that could be the difference in the game. So that's, that's something I wanted to point out as well when looking at the statistics this way is, Penn State gets in the red zone. Statistically, you you should probably bet that they're going to probably score. That That's kind of what it's looking like. Yeah, that's probably the one similarity that last year's team had with this year's team is both were very good in the red zone. Uh, and uh, Both defenses were very good in the red zone. And, yeah, if you're not able to push it in against Penn State, I mean, we have players, too, on offense. And we're going to be able to – and we do it, you know – Decent job of scoring, of scoring when we get in the red zone. So we're scoring at 75%. So that's pretty good. Um, so, yeah, we're going to 
we're going to make you pay, you know? So, so yeah, uh, I'm these, uh, you know, looking at these stats, uh, the passing per attempt really uh, kind of stuck out to me. Uh, and it kind of, in, in my mind, uh, shows how similar Cam Rising and Sean Clifford are. Because uh, pass per attempt, Cliff seven point, or Penn State seven point five, Utah eight point one. So they're right in the same ballpark, and it's, and I really think this is a game that's going to come down to quarterbacks. And we've had other games this year where we're like, well, I mean, there's a lot of other things at play, but I think this is really a Cam Rising versus Sean Clifford game, and whoever plays better is probably going to win. You know, it's interesting you say that because when I begin to look at this game, I really think it's it's about the surrounding cast. We argued a little bit before about would you take Cam Rising or Sean Clifford? You'd say you'd take Cam Rising. I said I would take Sean Clifford. Like you said, the stats are pretty much relatively the same. I, I would probably give Cam Rising the edge statistically. He does a little bit more with his legs, but... I really think it's going to be who can support their quarterback enough. I, I don't think either fan base would argue that their quarterbacks are above average at best. They're not going to win you. Clearly, they're not going to win you a college football playoff game. Theoretically, Cam Rising can come back, I believe. But Sean Clifford can't. We, we know what he is capable of doing and what he's not capable of doing. And... I really think who is going to support their quarterback the most is going to be who wins this game. So that means who's going to who has the better running back by committee. I think I would give Penn State the slight edge there. Um, who's going to have the better offensive line? I'd probably lean it towards Utah, but we haven't really seen Penn State's offensive line at, at full strength since October. Uh, is Olu Fashionu going to play? We know Juice Scruggs is now going to play. Is Caden Wallace going to play that very well could change that whole thing. And if Penn state's able to run the rock effectively and Sean Clifford's able to just dink it and dump it to his tight ends and to, you know, his young wide receivers, I, I think that's the, really the difference. We know that cam rising doesn't, doesn't have his favorite weapon. We know Sean Clifford doesn't have his favorite weapon. So it's going to be who else can step up and support these guys. I think that really is going to be the difference. I think, you can expect Sean Clifford to probably have an interception. You can probably expect Cam Rising, honestly, to probably have at least one mistake as well. But who else is going to maybe pick them up? Who else is going to be the X factor for their offense to score maybe that one touchdown you weren't expecting that might might end up being the difference? Yeah, and I'll rephrase it a little bit. Um, which quarterback doesn't make more, more, the, uh, more mistakes? And because Clifford has gotten in trouble with mistakes throughout his time at Penn State, but Cam Rising has as well. And they, they've both had games where they've had multiple turnovers, and those turnovers were costly. So being able to take care of the ball, manage the game, it really who could manage the game better? Uh, is the running game important? Of course, especially when you're playing against a team like Utah. Like this is just a flash. Utah is a flashier version of Wisconsin and their quarterback play is typically better. Uh, Cam rising is like Patrick Mahomes compared to Graham Mertz. And 
most Wisconsin quarterbacks. So it's typically a little better, but they're going to run at you, run at you, run at you, throw it, run at you, throw it. Um, and they're going to be stout on defense. Uh, lot, and, you know, you want to go beyond Wisconsin, they're a lot like Michigan. They're going to play physical. Like, they're kind of the big bullies in the Pac-12. There's a reason why they won it two straight, why they won the conference two straight years. Um, they just kind of push, they kind of push everybody else around out, out, out West. So, and look at the games where Utah's lost this year. They lost to Florida. Cam Rising wasn't good. They lost to UCLA where he, he, he did actually put up quite a few points, but I believe he had a few turnovers mixed in there as well. And they, they lost at Oregon in a game that they probably should have won. So, and Cam Rising wasn't good in that game. And then you look at the two games Penn State lost. Clifford wasn't good enough at, against Ohio State. And he, I mean, he wasn't the main reason. He certainly wasn't the main reason we lost at Michigan, but he didn't really help matters. So I think a lot of this is going to be about being able to manage the game successfully. Yeah, I, I think what you said there is kind of a, a good point. Uh, I like looking at that Oregon game. If I'm a Penn State fan, you know, I'm looking at that Oregon game and saying, okay, that's kind of the blueprint to a certain degree. Cam rising three interceptions. Uh, Oregon was able to throw the ball pretty well on Utah that day. To me, I'm, I, I, to me, that's what I'm interested in. And that Oregon team, by the way, is currently down by seven to, to North Carolina at halftime. And just to give you a Kansas-Arkansas update, both of them scored touchdowns in the first round of overtime. Both of them scored touchdowns and two-point conversions in the second time of overtime. So it is 53-53 heading in to the third overtime, which I believe now starts with just two-point conversions. So we're about to see two-point conversions back and forth in the Arkansas-Kansas game, uh, which which is going on right now. But, yeah, Sean, I think um, both teams, you could argue, maybe have games that they wish they could have had back during the regular season, which I think, again, just is kind of phenomenal that these two teams matched up. And I think there's question marks, right, about both teams. Like, what what is Penn State going to be able to do offensively consistently enough? And, and on the other side of things, everyone thinks about what Utah did in that Pac-12 championship. And I think that little bit of recency bias, because they looked so good against a pretty pitiful USC defense, I think that's why they're favored by three points right now, two and a half, wherever. I think that's honestly it. Like Utah, good defense, and their offense looked good against USC. Penn State, nobody has watched Penn State since the Ohio State game. Let's just be honest. Um, and I think that's where that two and a half spread's kind of coming from right now. Yeah, Penn State after the Ohio State game really hit the back burner nationally, and people just haven't been paying attention, uh, kind of because you look at who they played and I don't know, none of those really even come close to a marquee matchup, but then you have uh, Utah who, even though they lost, they were in a big game against Oregon and they pants off the Heisman trophy winner uh, in the PAC 12 championship game. And look, you got, you have to give them a lot of credit for doing that. That's the, and I know we don't think too highly of Utah, of USC's defense, but, the Utah sat Utah had a 
bunch of sacks in that game. They were able to contain Caleb Williams and USC and Caleb did get hurt in that game, but they were able to really limit what USC was able to do. It was a typical Lincoln Riley performance, honestly, in a big game. And, um, you know, you have, and, and they did it twice. Like it is very, very difficult to beat a good team twice. Very difficult. Why do you think Michigan doesn't want to play Ohio State again? It's because they know that to be able to beat a good team, even if you think you're better. And I think Ohio, I think Michigan is better than Ohio State. And I think Utah is better than USC. Even if you are, it's just a tough, it's, it's a tough mountain to climb twice to beat a top 10 team or a top 15 team for that matter. So, um, like, I don't think Ohio State would really be too crazy about playing Penn State again if they had to play them. So, uh, you have to give, you know, you have to give uh, the Utes a ton of credit. And if you, God, like, if you're a Utah fan, you're probably frustrated, like Penn State fans are, with how the season ending up. Because if you beat Florida, who you definitely should have beaten, if you beat Oregon, who you should have beaten, you're in the playoff. Like, you are in over Ohio State, no question about it. But not the way it, it's not the way the cookie crumbled, unfortunately, for for you fans. Yeah, I'm curious too. I don't think they have any Rose Bowl fatigue, uh, but, you know, playing there twice kind of makes you think a little bit about if that is a factor, but I don't think it is. Um, a lot of people that are taking Utah, I saw media wise are like, oh, they're back and this time they're going to win it. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really have any effect on the game, but sure. Um, Devon Vele, slot receiver, wanted to mention him. 595, five touchdowns. Quick guy, good double move. I think he's kind of the guy you have to pay attention to for, for Penn State's defense. They got a couple of wide receivers that all can do sort of different things. Um, but he's the guy that's in the slot that that can maybe make you pay, is is maybe going to be the favorite target now with Kincaid out. So that's someone I'd pay paying attention to. And I really like Jaquindon Jackson. I, I think this guy was really fun to watch in that in that conference championship game. Runs tough. They're very much running back by committee. Even even during the beginning parts of the season, they've they get a lot of guys involved. Cam Rising obviously highly involved. He had six rushing touchdowns. But I think Penn State is going to be able to commit more guys to the run if they want to. I, I'd expect them to have a decent amount of, you know, seven, eight boxes loaded against Utah and, and sort of daring Cam rising to to figure out who is actually blitzing and then make plays. I, and I think they trust they trust their corners on the outside, even though Penn State will not have Joey Porter Jr. Um, I, I think Penn State, I think that should be the game plan. We thought that should be the game plan when Michigan played. And they played Michigan, but that wasn't what happened either. Sean, are you a little bit worried at all as far as Manny defense and, and having maybe too much time to prepare for this Utah offense? Has that crossed your mind at all yet? Yeah. Yeah, it has. Um, because don't forget the Michigan game was off a bye. And you're just going off remembering that, remember, and also keeping in mind the style of play that Utah has. And 
it's very, very similar to Michigan, where Michigan has the playmakers on the has a couple playmakers on the outside, but they're they're gonna run at you and then beat you with those guys, you know, when, when they have when they have opportunities. Um, yeah, and I agree with you on Vele. Uh, they have a guy, and it's too bad we don't have Storm Duck this year. Because Storm Duck, Storm Duck versus Money Parks, I think would be a fun matchup. Um, just just based off the name alone. And uh, like you said, they don't have, they're not going to have Kincaid. Uh, and yeah, Jackson is, is their home run guy. He has been the whole year and they're going to have uh, Micah Bernard as well. And uh, rising gets involved, <coughs> excuse me, also in the, in the run game. So yeah. And that's not to, and we haven't even mentioned their offensive line. Like this is one of the best, this is one of the best offensive lines in America. Like they, they, Utah believes strongly in leading with the tip of the spear, so they're gonna come. They're gonna come at us, and I really hope this is a PJ Mustafer game. It is a PJ Mustafer game, but I hope like he could ride off into that California sunset and really be and really be happy with the way he plays because we're gonna need him in a big way in this one. Just a guy who I don't want to say I didn't have a good year. I think PJ Mustafer did have a good year. I don't think he had a very like splashing, illustrated good year. Did a lot of the nitty gritty work, but you're right. We'd like to see him maybe get paid off with with a good final game against Utah. Just giving everyone the final update: Arkansas wins 53-50. Excuse me, 55-53 in triple overtime over Kansas. So Kansas gets all the way back. Unable to get the job done, uh, but definitely a more interesting game than what people expect. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just excited for that, I, and and the defensive line in general, right? Right, like everyone's going to be healthy. Like I'm excited to see what Adisa Isaac can do. I'm excited to see what Nick Tarburton's going to do. Is 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 he going to come out with his head on fire? Uh, is Chav Robinson going to be 100 percent ready to rock and roll? Obviously, the linebackers. We have no idea what Curtis Jacobs's plan is yet. Um, is is he playing his final game? And if that's the case, is he going to come out firing? Uh, obviously excited for what Abdul Carter is going to do. Jair Brown will be playing, and it's his last game. So there's a couple of really important players that decided to play in the Rose Bowl that this will be their last game. And you just got to think defensively. Maybe you can't use it as much and harness it as much on offense, but you can use it on defense, and it's it could be very exciting to see what these guys are potentially able to do and, and how they're going to fly around the football early. And you know something, I think it's a big thing that these guys want to be there because a lot of times with these bowls, if, if you don't make, and for some programs, if you don't make the playoff, this season's kind of seen as a failure and you have a million different opt outs and even the guys that are playing, they're not, they're not playing at 100%. I don't think that's going to be the case in this one. I think both these teams really want to get after it. Utah, has, again, the, in in my mind, they should have won the Ohio State game last year. I was bummed when they didn't when they didn't win. And they have a chance they have a chance to come back and win this one now. They didn't have a whole ton of opt-outs, neither did we. Uh, Penn State last year when we played Arkansas, 
you could make an argument if everybody played, maybe we win, but I don't think our hearts are really in it like they needed to be. This is different. Like, um, Jair Brown actually went live on Instagram yesterday uh, on the airplane on the way on the way out to LA, and these guys are. You could just tell, man. There, you could tell there's a certain energy around this team. Like they really, really want it, and to only have one opt out in the year 2022 is impressive. Because I don't really count Parker as an opt out because in my mind he probably would have played if he wasn't if he was healthy. Um, so to only have one opt out, I mean, these guys are bought in and they are laser focused. And I just, I would love to see them get, get this one because there's a question I have for Corey later that I want to get to, but I'm going to leave you all in suspense. Ooh, suspense. Well, let's flip it over to the other side and let's talk Utah defense a little bit. Um, Clark Phillips, cornerback, Clark Phillips third, excuse me, uh, cornerback for Utah, will not be playing. Led the team with six interceptions this year. The rest of the team combined only had six interceptions. So pretty big loss there with Clark Phillips not playing. Gabe Reed, defensive and had five and a half sacks. And their safeties are their tackle leaders. And Cole Bishop and R.J. Hubert, both of those guys are studs. Whenever you have two safeties as your leading tacklers, it does question a little bit like how much are they playing towards the line of scrimmage um you know not not necessarily the personnel themselves but the scheme uh, are, is penn state going to be able to spread them out enough is penn state going to take enough shots to keep some of those safeties back to, to create holes for katron allen and for nick singleton we've talked a lot about it this year sean but utah's really good at at kind of stopping offenses from doing what they want to do um, look at what they did to Oregon for most of that game. I'm just, I'm just curious to see what Mike Yurcich's game plan is against this Utah defense. Is he going to be able to throw the ball enough early to then create those sort of running lanes that we've seen Penn State have success when they do it that way? Um, are they going to come out and just try to run the rock? We've seen them try to do that, and and I don't think that's really typically very successful when they try to just force the square peg into the round hole if you will or whatever the case may be whatever that expression is if i got it backwards um yeah i i'm curious sean how that's gonna go down because i think that could be we talk about these teams that are like wisconsin you want to get the lead early against these guys you want to make utah sort of come from behind you don't want to be coming from behind against utah so i i think the first two quarters are very very important to see how this penn state offense schematically approaches this Utah defense. Yes. Uh, if we learn anything from the last Rose Bowl, uh, don't come out and throw two straight interceptions to start the game. That would be more than ideal, uh, especially against this Utah team. Uh, but in all seriousness, yeah, like, um, they, they are top 15 in the nation in sacks, so they do an excellent job of getting after the quarterback. I think Penn State's top 10 in sacks, so that's kind of something that we share is uh, we're both able to do it. Uh, Cole Bishop is a guy that was pretty impressive to me. They do a lot of different things with him, uh, has, a, has a couple of tackles for loss from that safety spot. Um, but yeah, like 
like I said, that USC game really impressed me. Just being able to get after Caleb Williams and, you know, really and be disruptive, uh, disrupt their passing game. Uh, and yeah, Clark Phillips not playing, that's definitely going to hurt. Uh, gets definitely, but it gets offset a bit by Joey Porter Jr. not playing on, on the other side. But yeah, they do, you know, that they're always going to be a tough team. Utah defense they're good but I share what Corey says in that you don't want to you don't want to really fall behind on these guys you want to and I think the best way to do it is get your running backs involved early make easy have easy throws for Sean Clifford and Cliff just be able to manage the game please Sean please please just manage the game and keep those attempts under 35. Yeah, preferably under 30, right? I mean, 30 is the preferably sweet. Preferably under 30. Sweet. If he's under 30, you're feeling like Penn State's going to win the game. Um, we've, talked about, we've talked about that before. People don't remember. I'm sure I have it in my notes all the way back. But uh, this, this probably isn't accurate anymore. But it was for at least a little bit when, when, Fran, when Clifford was under – 30 pass attempts. He was 16 and 0. Um, not, not assuming an injury or whatnot. So that was at least to a certain point of the season that was the case. So yeah, preferably keep Clifford's attempts under 30. Um, I was going to add to something you said there, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what happens when you, because the thing is, no one really challenges Utah the way that Utah challenges other teams, I think. And so I'm excited to see, you know, what a a good running game in Penn State is going to do to this Utah defense for four quarters, right? Like we don't see, we usually see Utah being the aggressor on defense. Well, what happens when Penn State tries to be the aggressor back? Uh, that's That's what I'm excited for. I really think it's Penn State's got to find a way to run the ball. If they can run the ball, I think they win this game. But they've got they've got to be able to run the ball, and that might mean having to throw it to run it, which Mike Yurcich has mentioned a couple times uh, this season. Um, Sean, I think we can maybe go into fan questions if you're ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, all right. Well. Just drop it all the way out to here. Only two fan questions. Sean, maybe we'll include our posed questions to this as well. Since Sean decided a new little part of this will be each of us asking the one the other a question that we have not seen beforehand or anything to prepare for. So this is very terrifyingly good. But let's start with the fan questions first. Uh, one is sort of a good joke, so that should be funny. Um, but fan question time here at Hardcore Penn State Football Rose Bowl Edition. If you have a question, drop it at Hardcore PSUFB on Twitter. We're on Facebook as well. Let's get to the first question. This is from fan favorite Einstein Von Braun. Mister, Mister, is Corey going to the Rose Bowl to break the curse? If not, and we lose, then can we blame him? Yes. Great question. Great question. For people that don't remember the curse, I just want to reiterate that back in 2016, I was 
broke college student trying to go to the Rose Bowl. And my mom said, why would you want to go to the Rose Bowl? Don't you want to wait and just go to a playoff game next year? And still to this day, I think my mom may have jinxed Penn State football until I go back to the Rose Bowl and break that curse. However, I will not be attending the Rose Bowl this year. So I would say, yes, you can blame me, but I think you can also blame my mom still. I think that's fair. Her for the long, the long term, her, the short term, me, I guess. Yes. Yes. I was about to say that, you know, in 2017, my brother and his ex-girlfriend carved a pumpkin. It was around Halloween time. It was right before the Ohio State game. So it was right before our lives were all ruined for the 2017 season. And they, the pumpkin said, Penn State 2017 national champions. And I was like, Jesus Christ, guys, what, what, what are you doing? We have the biggest game of the year coming up, and you're already crowning us. Well, we haven't done anything yet. And they were still they were off that Michigan high that and uh, it so I think that also contributes to the jinx as well. So you guys are welcome for no playoff appearances in 2017. Yeah, um, but Our yeah, families you can are blame. Responsible. I will. I will say this. I mean, to be fair, we had a fan reach out to us and said, "Hey, if you guys are trying to get out there, I wouldn't mind you know supporting you, sponsoring you. Um, if just you know, let me know where. Maybe." The next time Penn State's in the Rose Bowl, we will be out there. Maybe. Hopefully. Yep. We'll see. That's Maybe I'll, if Penn State loses this one, I might have to go to the next one. I think regardless, I probably should get out to the Rose Bowl since I haven't been there yet. But uh, I've only I've only been to one bowl game in Penn State one. It was the uh, um, Penn State Bowl. Interesting. Fun time. Yeah, but- one of the few ones I didn't go to, um, but that's mostly because I had family in Florida, so that's a little bit easier. Um, been to some awful ones. Capital One Bowl versus LSU in the mud, even though Penn State won. Was at the Outback Bowl when McGloin threw five interceptions to Urban Myers, Florida. Um, and and a couple in between, so. We get to take it City Bowl? No. We, we we all try to forget that, but I wasn't gonna bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> I was just morbidly curious. I, I was gonna say this though: if Penn State's able to win this game, and I mean James Franklin's gonna have a Rose Bowl, a Fiesta Bowl, and a Cotton Bowl under his belt, and a relatively easy, relatively short amount of time. I know it's not a playoff appearance, and people are going to say, oh, you're just defending him. Still, three New Year's, six bowl wins, four appearances in, what, eight years is still pretty impressive, and that includes COVID. Um, I don't know. I think that's pretty that's pretty impressive nonetheless. But, um, yeah. Jim Harbaugh doesn't have one, right? He might have won one at Stanford. He might have won an Orange Bowl. That sounds right, but I don't think he won one at Michigan. I don't I don't think they maybe I'm wrong. Did they typically lay eggs in bowls? Uh he he wasn't he wasn't with Stanford when McCaffrey was there, right? Mm-mm. No, that was Shaw. Because that was a Rose Bowl versus Iowa, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. McCaffrey just went nuts. But that wasn't that wasn't hardball. I think he won the Orange Bowl with luck. Okay. That's weird they were in the Orange Bowl. 
it was. I think it was the way it used to be back then. The Rose Bowl had the national championship that year. I see. Uh, Joey House asked us, what do you think the over-under of Drew Aller's snap count will be? I just threw this on there because I wanted to laugh at it. No offense to you, Joey, but we've talked about this a bunch. We don't expect Drew Aller to play unless it's a blowout or if Clifford gets hurt. Um, just don't think it's going to happen. Just just don't see that as being realistically. Snap yeah. count, I guess I'll put the snap count over-under at, Point let's five. just say, let's say, let's say Clifford maybe – gets knocked, his helmet comes off for a play. So I'm going to put it at one and a half. Yeah, and I'm taking the under. Um, I don't think there's going to be a Drew Aller game. I, 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 in a way, if Penn State's blowing them out, I hope it is. And maybe it's maybe it's the opposite, right? Trace McSorley yeah, came yeah. in. I mean, it wasn't because of a blowout, but Chris, uh, Chris Hackenberg wasn't able to continue. Maybe something like that happens. Um, Sean, what is your question for me? Do you, Corey, consider this a great team if Penn State loses? Oh, oh, oh. I like what you did there. Uh, for people that don't aren't aware of what we consider, you know, we, we've we've had a lot of conversations about great teams versus good teams. Um, and Sean likes to lump more great teams with good teams. I like to separate them out a little bit more. That's a good question. That, that's a really tough question. I would say they, I, I would say they're a a good team if they lose to uh, to 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 Utah. You wouldn't have a ranked win. You really wouldn't have. You don't have a bowl win at that point. It's not like the Penn State 2016 team when they won the Big Ten Championship had something to kind of show for it. Obviously, it beat Ohio State, too. Um, You could argue that 2019 team was a great team because they at least won the Cotton Bowl when it was all said and done. They beat Michigan. You know, they won a bunch of games. They beat who they were pretty much supposed to beat, arguably. Um. Yeah, I would say they're they're a, a good team. I would I throw a new category out for you and would even call them a really good team. But uh, no, I don't think I would call them a great team. I definitely wouldn't call them an elite team. We're in agreement. I'm glad we're in agreement, Sean. <laughs> All right, what do you have for me? Yeah, what do I have for you? So my question is, And this is a tough one. If r- r- excluding whatever happens in the Rose Bowl, and this is a mean question and a morbid question, if you had to see one of Katron Allen or Nick Singleton go into the transfer portal, which one would it be and why? Huh. Well, neither, but I have to answer. <laughs> uh, no disrespect, obviously. I want both these guys to be Penn Staters forever. But K tried out. And I only say that because I think Singleton has better upside. But that's the only reason I say it. I love K Tron Allen. I think he's a better running back than Nick Singleton right now. But I think Singleton's gonna have the better career, and I think he has a chance to have and I think he will have a better career at Penn State when it's all said, but when it's all said and done. 
Yeah, I'm not even going to say if I agree or disagree with that because I really don't know. I'm glad I don't have to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, seriously, I, I agree with what you said as far as I think Catron Allen currently is the better back. I can see the upside for Singleton. But I'm just like, do I roll the dice and say, I hope Singleton takes that next step? Or am I like, I would I would take what Catron Allen has provided so far for the next three years over hot and cold of whatever we might get from Nick Singleton. I think Nick Singleton has grown a bunch this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah. I'm kind of happy Singleton struggled in a way. Like he, during the year, he had some times where he was quiet, but I think he, I think it's good for it. I think it's good for you sometimes to hit that wall and come out of it because I think he came out of it a better back than he was at the beginning of the year, a more complete back. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's following the blockers a little bit better. He had some fumbling issues that he had to get over. So, yeah, I, I think that's that's a very good point. Uh, thank you guys so much for the questions. We'll be obviously back soon with uh, with more of those. Um, all right, Sean. Yep. I think it's time. It, I think it's time to. We can't even say that. It's time because we'll get sued. Yep. Let's get ready to predict. Do you have any idea who went first the last time? Uh, that was a million years ago. So no, I'm going to let Corey go first because his name starts with a C. Mine starts with an S. Okay. I'm not sure if I agree with that, but all right. <laughs> all right. Well, here we go. Prediction time. Rose Bowl. First of all, it's cool that Penn State's in the Rose Bowl. Um, just want to reiterate one more time that this is 10 and two and in the Rose bowl is what I thought was going to happen at the beginning of the year. And um, it's just really cool that they're here. I know there's two big 10 teams in a playoff. It's not the end goal for Penn state, but it's cool. They're here. A lot of people have said that this game against Rose bowl against the, against the Rose bowl in the Rose bowl against Utah is one of the best games. If not the best game, that's not a playoff game. So, um, People are going to be watching. It's a big stage. It's going to be a fun game. Two quarterbacks that people admire and people respect, but maybe never got over the hump entirely and have a lot to prove and potentially both want to go out swinging. So I I think that's an exciting storyline. It's going to be fun to watch the, the entire game. Two really good defenses, two really good and respected head coaches. I just think when it's all said and done, the the talent that helps the quarterback the most is going to win. And I think Penn State has that talent. I think they have more talent. I think their running backs are better. I think their offensive line is going to be at a better full strength. I think they have better tight ends, especially with Kincaid not playing. And I think they're going up against maybe a slightly – not as effective secondary that will help the quarterback out enough. So I, I think Penn State wins. I think the running game has to get over 120-ish yards, and I think they do that. Uh, I have Penn State winning this game, and and maybe it sounds a little disrespectful, but I have them winning 34-24. Uh, I, I think they get up early or they get up at, at some point in this game, and I just don't know if Utah is going to be able to dink and dunk it all the way down the field consistently enough to win this game. So I got Penn State 34-24. I think it's going to be a single possession game most of the way. Um, And then Penn State's able to maybe get a field goal late to maybe 
put it on ice. But I got Penn State 34-24. Full prediction, I think the Penn State defense gets five sacks. And I would say maybe only three of them comes from a defensive lineman. Uh, I think Abdul Carter gets a sack or two. I think Jair Brown gets a sack or two. And then towards the end there, I think it's going to be Cam Rising just having to hold on to the football too much. It's it's going to be a covered sacks more than anything else towards the end. So that's what I got, Sean. Yeah, this is one that when it was first announced, I felt really good about. And then I started not feeling too good about it. And now I'm kind of back to a midway point. And so what does that mean? I don't, I don't really know, honestly, what that means. But it means something. <laughs> it means I feel pretty good about it. Um, I like this Utah team. I like Kyle Whittingham a lot. I would trust Kyle. If James Franklin were to leave for another job, I would trust Kyle Whittingham to be the coach of Penn State. That's how highly I think of him. And there aren't a lot of guys that I would feel that way about, but he's one of them. He'd have to get some assistance from the East Coast but I feel good about him running the program. So that being said, I think we're going to win this one. I feel good about it. I feel pretty good about this one. For a lot of, a lot of what Corey said, I agree with talent means something. And, you know, talent was kind of a wash in the Michigan game. Ohio state has more talent than Penn state, but we've dominated teams that aren't as talented as us really the whole year uh, take Purdue out. And I don't think we're going to dominate this team. I think this is the type of team that's going to stick around. I think Cam Rice is going to make plays. I think their running game is going is for real and they're going to make the, then they're going to make things happen. They're going to make Cam Rising's life easier. And you're probably like, Oh, well, why are you picking Penn state to win? Because we're going to make Cam Rising make mistakes. I think we're going to force him to make about two turnovers. And Sean Clifford is going to mostly take care of the ball. I think he's going to make less mistakes. I think he's going to be about as efficient, but it's going to be more about the mistakes. And he's not going to make as many. And I have Penn State winning 24-20. I think that's a good I think that's a better number to be honest with you. I think it probably will be low scoring. I don't I couldn't really tell you how I got to uh to 34. Maybe a, a turnover in there at something the short field. Maybe Nick Singleton just breaks one. I'm not really sure how I got to 34 because I wanted I think 2420 is a as a as a better number to be honest with you. Oh, um, I need a bull prediction too. Yeah, I wasn't sure if the two turnovers was a bold prediction, but yeah, go ahead. Uh, Singleton over 100 yards. I'm in a Nick Singleton mood tonight. Yeah, apparently so. Um, we This was a question that was asked last episode, and I just think about it a lot. For the blog, he had a film breakdown of Chris Godwin. I don't know if you happen to watch that or not, but that was kind of cool because it was about the Rose Bowl. And I'm just like, man, I just want to see a Penn State wide receiver kind of break out like that. And I am just keep thinking to myself, like, great wide receivers, like, you shouldn't have to be kind of begging them to break out. Like, they just they just do it. 
they just kind of take what they want. Like they have that sort of attitude. And Chris Godwin kind of showed that in the Boston College game and in, in the, the the pinstripe bowl that you were at. And then he had that attitude pretty much from then on out. And I'm just like, okay, so the Parker Washington's gone. Brenton Strange might be in a reduced role since he's declaring for the NFL. Like, who is gonna step up and take ownership in the in the passing department, in the receiving department? And I'm just I think whoever it is, if if somebody does step up, because if they don't, maybe Penn State loses this game. But whoever it is, if it's Lambert Smith, if it's Mega, if it's uh Omari Evans, who I don't care who it is. I have no idea who it's gonna be. But I really think if somebody steps up, they could seriously have a lot of momentum and confidence heading into next year. And I and I, I really think that could be I guess it could be very detrimental if it doesn't happen and very significant if it does happen to to the success of Penn State next year. If, if we're going to talk about playoff opportunities next year, I think a lot of that has to start with a, one or two receivers getting confidence in this in this game right here and right now. So I don't want to point fingers at anybody, but there's been some people that have been here long enough where that this is this is their chance right like parker washington wasn't practicing for all these bowl practices leading up like they've had the opportunities to run with the ones like that as if they hadn't already like they've got all the the tools they've got all the experience somebody needs to step up and and kind of i guess prove it just take it and i I really want to see that i really do sean i think that is it's going to be so important for next year that they have a guy like Chris Godwin. They have a yeah. guy like Jahan Dotson, et cetera. Yeah. And I think that's where bulls still matter in that guys still take that leap from one, from one season to another. It's a bridge from one season to another. And I think that's where, because you know, do the bulls mean as much as they used to? No, uh, not really, but those practices and then being able to, you know, get people's attention going into the next season. Yeah, I could even argue Saquon made a big leap in the Rose Bowl because Saquon was a great player. We all knew that, but I don't think the whole country knew until the Rose Bowl. Even after the Big Ten Championship game where he burns T.J. Watt on the wheel route, it wasn't until that long run in the Rose Bowl that people really realized, wow, this guy is, he's different. Like, he is a generational back. That's when people started saying it. And I try not to remember the Rose Bowl much because it just depresses me because I know how it ends. But there's no doubt that's a springboard. It was a springboard for Trace, too. I think it was the same same deal. Like, we scored, what, 35 straight points? I mean, that's, that's unheard of. And I kind of think this game's going to be the complete opposite of that. Like, it's going to be more old-school football. You know, I, I honestly think that exact springboarding thing would have exactly happened in the Cotton Bowl too, if things were normal. But um, it just it just didn't happen the way it did. So no, no doubt, no doubt. Well, Sean, I admire you for getting through this with the Rona. I appreciate you. Everyone, I'm sure, appreciates you. We will be back potentially Monday night of the game on Monday. I said that like twice now. Monday night. We will potentially be back. Keep updated on Twitter, Hardcore PSUFB. We're on Instagram. We're on TikTok. We're on Facebook. Um, but but Twitter is the main the main source. Any final thoughts, Sean? 
Penn State is undefeated when Corey and I have both picked Penn State. Really? Yep. So keep that in mind. Because you picked them to beat Ohio State. I picked them to beat Michigan. And we both picked them to beat Purdue. Yeah, we both beat, we both picked them to beat Minnesota. So yeah. There we go. So keeping those vibes going. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, Sean, you good? I'm good. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you're on YouTube, please make sure you've liked the video and subscribed. Drop your prediction below. If you're on podcast, make sure you have subscribed wherever you're listening. Drop us a five-star rating. If it's on Spotify, drop us a five-star review. If you're on Apple, we appreciate you guys. And just share it with a friend. People ask us a lot, like, what can I do to help out? Share it with somebody. Just share it with one Penn State fan. We'd appreciate that. Or your Utah fans, uh, Dave. Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening. It's been a fun, fun, fun year here at Hardcore Penn State Football. And the next time you speak with us will be in the new year. So thank you guys so much. For Sean Kane, I'm Corey Lestoke, and you've been listening to Hardcore Penn State Football. Until next time, bye, everybody. We'll see you next year. It's going to be a long time before you talk to you.